0: This is a crowd podcast. Welcome to the Fertility Podcast, where we aim to educate and empower you on your fertility journey, whatever stage you're at. I'm Natalie Silverman, a broadcaster and fertility coach, and I had my son after successful fertility treatment. And I'm Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse
1: consultant. We'll be your trusted guides, chatting each week with experts and people
0: just like you to let you know you're not alone. Let's dive in. Okay, so here we are with the final episode only for now. I want of... to break into it's the final countdown. <laughs> well, I have to say, we set out on a mission in 2021 to really try and organise the fertility podcast. I don't think I'm that organised. This is what I've realised this year as we've been trying to make this podcast easier for you to consume. And there's been all sorts of people involved along the way. And it has been a bit of a headache for me having to get other people involved in the mix. I'll hold my hand up. Kate has been amazingly patient and organised as you are the organised one in the mix. I don't think I am. (laughs) If you've been listening all the way through, I really hope that what we have mapped out has been really useful. And I can't reiterate enough that there's loads more episodes of the Fertility Podcast. And whilst we're having this little break, we are going to um, make it even more clear about the other episodes that we've got that we've taken off the feed. And I'm actually looking at kind of republishing them. So you will be able to get them in your podcast feeds, not the Fertility Podcast feed, but there's going to be some new ones. So it might be the Fertility Podcast, Male Fertility, the Fertility Podcast, Miscarriage Series. So watch this space for that. You'll still get lots coming up on your Fertility Podcast feed. But at the moment, all the previous episodes sit on the Fertility Podcast website. And I, I do get messages from time to time saying, where are they? I can't find them. And you do have to listen to them on the website. So we want to make it as easy as possible. All of that waffle and kerfuffle aside, this last episode is having a conversation about childlessness. And it's something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast in the past. We've spoken to some amazing, amazing women who have shared their stories. We've spoken to the likes of Jessica Hepburn. We've spoken to Jodie Day. We've spoken to Yvonne John, Leslie Pine, Kelly DeSilva, Kate Kaufman, all doing amazing work. A lot of them have written books. And I will make sure that this episode has links to everybody because I really want if that's where you're at we really want you to know that there are these amazing women who are talking so openly about what life can look like and I think it's just such a huge piece for you to start trying to get your head around if that's where you're at and you know we're not here to tell you what to do we're just here to tell you that there are other people who feel what you're feeling. Yeah absolutely
1: I think until you start investigating that I think the whole process can feel quite you feel quite alone can't you and and I know our guest today, she said that she felt that she was the only one at times, you know, and, and I think until you immerse yourself into that world and start looking for that support that's out there, it can feel really lonely, but be reassured that support is absolutely there.
0: So we're going to bring in Steph because we had uh, a good old chat with her and you'll hear her talking about what's happened this year for World Childless Week and and what she's kind of got planned and we'll be back with you as always after the chat. So this is very strange. I'm sat in what I'm describing as the epicentre of my parents' bedroom. (laughs) My parents live in a kind of penthouse apartment having downsized and my dad has built this, like, very strained little cubbyhole where he sits. So I'm telling you this because um, Kate's with me and our guest, um, Steph Williams, to talk about our, Steph Phillips, sorry. Don't worry. (laughs) Kate's with me along with our guest, Steph Phillips, and we're going to be talking more about Steph and the amazing work she does. But I just needed to explain, if we sound a bit different, in preparation to come and do this podcast, which is on a day where there's all sorts going on in my world, I've left my laptop with my microphone in the boot of somebody's car that I can't get hold of. So I've come to my parents' house and I'm just talking at the computer. So we're not all mic'd up. So we'll all probably sound a little bit different. But just to get that out the way. So, yeah, just to make Natalie sound better, we're all we're all not mic'd up. I like, she I can't know. be on a mic. <laughs> and um, Steph, is, Steph is the only one with headphones on. So well done. I know. I've done what I was told for once. It makes a difference. <laughs> it makes a change. We've done what you've told. Well, um, a lovely welcome to Steph Phillips, who is the founder of World Childless Week and former guest to the podcast. And we last spoke in 2018. And Steph, it was you were a year into the first World Childless Week. And I shared something on um, on my Twitter feed that you had told me that the 100 blog posts that you had shared in that week had been viewed over 123 times. And the hashtag had been retweeted over 1.2 million times, and that was a couple of years ago. So we're talking to you a couple of, like, weeks after World Childless Week. Have you had a chance to look at any numbers from this year? Um, I've actually specifically,
2: yeah, I've specifically gone in today to all the different sort of media platforms to have a look. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in the first year, the way the analytics came back to me, particularly for Facebook, they've changed the way they line it all up now, so it's slightly different. But I've looked at the four main sites, and this is what I think is quite exciting. Still, the numbers you could say, are oh, they as good? But I think they're good. I think they're brilliant. So the first one, the website had twenty five thousand visitors. The next one is Instagram, and they had twenty seven and a half thousand visitors. Wow. Then we nip over to Facebook, which was fifty three and a half thousand people involved. But then we hit Twitter. And that's 116,000. Wow. So we're building up everywhere across all these different platforms, which I just think, yeah, it's a wow. It's a major wow for me.
1: And it's really yeah. interesting, isn't it, the different stats for the different types of platforms and thinking mm. about where your audience is sitting and what social media platform is their preference and, and what they're, they're accessing
2: more. And it seems like it's Twitter. That's quite interesting, I, isn't it? It shocked me, to be honest with you, because I'm not a social media expert and I'm not, you know, the more platforms there are, the more confused I get. And Facebook is my safety net. That's where I resort back to. And that's where a lot of support groups are. And I was almost like, oh, is it worth carrying on with Twitter? Because Instagram's starting to build. And then I saw the stats this morning for the work. Yeah, I've got to keep going on Twitter.
0: Yeah. How yeah. Interesting. Um, just talk a bit about since you started what's been going on because um, I will share the link to Steph's chat about her, her reasons for starting um, but it's just amazing what you've been building and I've spent a bit of time ahead of us talking looking at all the blog posts that you've been sharing there's loads of webinars that we'll talk more about and there's such a depth of content and this I know you had a different theme each day but over the last couple of years um, I'm just keen to see if if you've noticed any whether people are getting better at talking about it because I'm also keen to know whether we are or should be saying childless or child free what's your take on that
2: childless 100% for me okay because for me it was a case of I was used to be shamed embarrassed and hide behind the word childless it was now I own it and I think that's for me personally is I own the word and I'm happy to talk about it and it's sort of all oh, you're child free No, no 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 I didn't choose this it wasn't I don't call myself free. And I know some people will use that terminology despite wanting children. And that's the good thing we've got that choice. I but think child
1: free yeah. sounds a little bit like it's it's you've made a choice to be yeah. child free. Um and I and maybe I, I can understand perhaps why people might choose that based on the fact that childless might sound more negative, but that is the reality, isn't it? You you haven't chosen to be in this situation that you find yourself in but child-free makes it sound a lot more exciting and as though that's what you want, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I know some people sort of mix it and say child-free, not by choice, Yeah, which makes sense. But again, you know, there's just so many different labels and we have to find the one that we're comfortable with and, you know, try to find a way to accept that that is part of
0: us but not all of us, whichever term or label we use. So do you... Sorry, Kate. Do you feel, Steph, that the momentum has been really growing? I mean, it looks like you had a jam-packed week of different conversations. Were there many more people available that you could bring in to talk about this, do you think? Um,
2: I think there's certainly a lot more people who are actually approaching me now because they're sort of seeing it. it's not just a one-year fancy thing that's come in, had an idea, had a go and failed. I've noticed a lot more um, people who are already established, have suddenly started to follow me in the last couple of weeks because I think they're realising we are really getting stronger and they've given our voice out. Um, I forgot to add up the submissions exactly, but I know last year it was approximately 130. Blog post submissions. Um, yep, yeah, submissions across the week, whether they be music or writing. This year, I think it was 230. So it's really jumped up. And I have noticed that there are people always, always get the option to be anonymous. But there seems to be a lot more people saying, no, I want to put my name to this. I actually want to own it. I feel confident. So and, it's like uh, you
1: earlier about, you know, making a decision to own it, own your own the, the name. Yeah. I don't want to say the label, because, again, that's got quite negative connotations, but owning that. Um, and so you, I love that when you said that and the fact that you're saying that actually more people are not frightened to do so and actually feel proud. Stand up and say to be counted that they're one of one of those ladies and men too. Yeah, say that
2: now. Yeah, I think it's because it's scary for people to actually put something out on their social media. But I seem to be getting a lot more seeing quite a few posts about positive feedback that people are getting as well, which is wonderful because quite often when we share something, people don't know how to react and completely stay silent, or they'll criticise it and it's like no 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 give us a voice. We're all equal of voice, whether we're childless, child free or parent, we're all equally deserving of being heard. And I think, I think we're on the cusp of making that happen. And I'm not saying it's across the board, I'm not saying it's everywhere, there's still a lot of opposition. But I do feel there's a turn. There's something in the air in the last few weeks that it's being picked up across the world as well. So So,
0: so what does that look like if you're on the cusp? What's the ideal? for this conversation and the narrative in the workplace, amongst colleagues, amongst family members?
2: The fact that we're not afraid. We're not actually afraid to say, I wanted to have children, I can't have them. To be able to go to your personnel department and go, yeah, I've I've heard of childlessness, for starters. I see that it exists. And these are the policies or the acts we can put in place to support you or what we can change, what should have already been changed. You know, the workplace doesn't become... An enemy, an alien environment, where you go and you're afraid to speak out or see what's going on around you because it can be so insensitive at times.
0: Has has that been one of the biggest areas, the workplace, that people feel disregarded and worthless because they've not got the kids to rush off, and especially with what's gone on with the pandemic, how people have mm. not necessarily had the work, the homeschooling element, and how they've been viewed and treated by their by their employee their employers and their colleagues.
2: Yeah, I think the pandemic has highlighted that a lot because a lot of people have said the amount of Zoom calls where somebody's got a child in the background or they start off the conversation talking about their family, as in family having to be more than two people for start. As family is two, family could be one person and 10 cats. There's so many different definitions of it, and we shouldn't assume that family means two adults and children. So straight away, soons can be like, oh, God, I don't want to go on because they are going to start talking about this and that. And it's all going to be very family orientated as in with children. And I'm going to be pushed out to the side. And I can't add information because people just unfortunately though as a mother, you don't always understand what we're talking about. And it's like, well, we might not understand exactly. But so many of us actually work with children or live with children through family, through neighbours, through everybody. You can't say we don't have a little bit of an inkling because we, we know it's not easy to be a parent.
1: It's, yeah. it's so interesting, isn't it? All the thing, you know, the negativity that has come out of the pandemic and all the horrible things that we've seen and, and witnessed and been part of. Yet there's been so many positive things that have come out of it as well. And, and in many ways, that's raising awareness about mental health and then perhaps, like you say, going on to raise awareness about being childless. On your website, Steph, you talk about the power of story sharing. Can you explain a bit more about this power and the benefits found in that commonality of sharing stories?
2: Yeah, for me, it's about that. For me and my grief, it was buried. And every time something hurt me, I'd bury it, and I'd bury it again and again and again, repeat. And it would just be sitting there, stagnating you know, really twisting emotions inside of me and making me feel bad. But when I found, like, a support group and I could start commenting on posts and writing on posts and getting my emotions out there and sharing what was my story to people who actually understood, validated that I wasn't a nutter, that I wasn't going insane, that I wasn't stupid and that I was actually grieving. And that's like a revelation to find out you're grieving. Mm -hmm. And so... The repetition, the fact that you can say your story, you can say the same word on one piece of paper. You could write it 100 times. You could have a viral where you're literally scratching through the paper with the aggression. And come the end, you're just gently writing it. So you just get your story out through one word or possibly through one sentence or one book. And whatever it is we do and use, it does release that pressure.
0: Because there's really powerful words that come across in the different blog posts, words like feeling invisible, um, mm. feeling the grief that you've talked about. One of the blog posts you talked about, can you make a mistake and miss your fate? It's not you talked about, it was titled, Yeah, who am I if I'm not a mum? And you just can really feel the the negative feelings, the shame, the hurt and all of that. And then when you start to see... Some of the conversations about transformation and how life can be, and just seeing the different ways that other amazing people within this community have built communities to support one another. I think it's so brilliant when it's all put together for you to almost see the journey, because that's what I definitely could see in some of the the blog posts, the, the different stages of grief, and then the this is where I'm. This is where I'm at now. And like you say, it can be celebrated. And it, the, 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 the grieving process has been shared, hasn't
2: it? Yeah, 100%. And like you say, it sort of tends to be that we get deeper, dark days during the week. But come the weekend and the Saturday and Sunday, I want it to be full of more more like the fact that we have the day for We Are Worthy. And then moving forwards and people are like, yeah, but I haven't got a big plan B. And you don't need a big plan B. Your moving forwards might be getting up and getting a in the bath, getting dressed every day. It could be as simple as that. And then they're like, "Oh, I th- I was really open with my post last year, but I feel like I can't put my name on it this year. It doesn't matter. Grief isn't linear. It's not one way. And we can bounce back and forward as long as we're slowly, creeping inch by inch forward to finding some happiness. And example of that is one of the posts this year was a collective, um, one of the members of a group I run on Facebook called Charles Perks. And it's there for us to find the laugh. It's, it's not to say we've forgotten our dreams of wanting to be a parent, but it's to say that on some days we can see through the dark clouds and we can see the sunshine and we're going to revel in it and we're going to enjoy it and smile and laugh without the parent saying, I told you so, which is I really think, important. Um, before we ch- were chatting now, I
1: looked at the, your um, website and, and um, watched the dead daft comments video. Yeah. <laughs> I had me chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> Funny and a great, lovely way of looking at it. So I, I get what you mean about, you know, finding the, the humour in, yeah. in the situation. Yeah. Definitely.
0: And in that idea of the daft comments, I know that one of the days, um, one of the themes was that, have you considered adoption? And we know it enough in the infertility kind of community that it's often you know, put in there and, and then if you've got to that point where you've accepted or you're you're coming to accept that you're living a life childless to then have to face it again, what, what were the kind of conversations around it? In, I mean, I don't imagine it's that different from people who are still tr- trying to conceive or is it because there's been another point of stopping trying. Sorry, just put the desk. There's been a point of stopping trying and moving on. So is that just adopt comment even harder to take? And I know in some of the blog posts, again, there was, well, we have looked at it, we have tried. And even that in itself, I've got, you know, we talked about it recently in an adoption episode, even people that are trying to adopt aren't, aren't necessarily able and successful too.
2: Yeah, that's the point because um, it is, I, I always say it's insensitive, it's intrusive, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, Who doesn't think of adopting when they're looking at every single option to become a parent? And then it's not just a case of thinking about it. We don't need somebody to say we know that people struggle and they want to say something that's comforting or supportive. But the best thing is to say is just if you want to talk, I'm here to listen, not to make suggestions. You know, it's like the example I can give personally now is I've been going through cancer treatment and I lost my hair just over a year ago nobody ever said to me have you considered buying a wig because i was confident to go out bold nobody asked because they thought i'm sure every morning she got up looked in the mirror and went oh yeah no hair shall i buy a wig you know or nobody asked me they knew it was insensitive they knew it was intrusive they knew it was stupid basically but as soon as you say you're childless have you considered adoption it falls on the same parallel
1: and it feels as though they have, they feel that they have a right to, to make that suggestion. Whereas, like you say, they wouldn't dream of saying that about, have you thought about a wig? Because you just don't go there. Yeah. But yet they feel it's okay to ask a personal question. Like, would you consider adoption or would yeah. you consider a other route?
2: And like I say, there's so many of us have, you know, we've all considered adoption. Mm-hmm. Whether we tried to adopt, whether we didn't try to adopt. Whatever it is the outcome, we've all ended up here still childless. So something there tells you it's still, again, a private issue. And if anybody's listening is not sure, I'd really beg them to listen to the webinar that took place that night. Six different stories concerning adoption. And it's really powerful, strong, really, really amazing webinar. So I would beg, you know, please go and listen to that before you consider saying that comment to anybody.
0: We'll make sure we share a link to it. Thank and I just you. want to touch on as well, because you covered um, the conversation about men, Men Matter Too. How are we doing supporting men better? Because we've spoken in the past with Robin Hadley and he talked about the different life stages. And I, I never forget him talking about how he was kind of reaching the age of his peers becoming grandparents and how he thought he'd kind of got past some of the difficult stages. And then it's like another new life stage Um and, you know, that's going to happen with all of us, with the, you know, the different things that, that go on in, in our worlds. I just wondered whether we are doing better, because it, it definitely seemed even harder for the society get to get his head around childless men and men wanting to have a child and men grieving, you know, being parents.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Robin Hadley obviously is the one who has all the knowledge and the facts and the statistics. And I believe he said there's actually more childless men than women which, you know, again, we don't always see. And quite often, we, as women, we tend to talk out more. So we get seen more. Whereas men are there and they need to be heard. And it is hard still to get them to put submissions in every year. But there are things like there's a, a group on Facebook called the Clan of Brothers, and they've now got over 100 members. And it's brilliant because it's a place just for men. You know, I run groups where men are welcome, but to have their own space is so important and we need to encourage more of that
1: Yeah, so necessary i think men men i think there is you know when we say about being on on the cusp of something with well childless week and i think we're on the cusp when it comes to men talking more about fertility about childlessness there is definitely a change more men are speaking out and i again you know talking back to covid and highlighting mental health I'm sure that that's all part of it is that we're just talking more and we're starting slowly slowly tiny tiny steps to get to the point of getting rid of some of these taboos that's surrounding this whole whole field
2: yeah I agree like I say I totally agree that mental health it's fantastic that that's brought to the forefront of so many conversations and we have to go through these more sort of common sort of things that people recognise like mental health before we can then approach other subjects. And before we get to childlessness, we have to get to miscarriage. Mm. And that's still such a taboo subject. Mm. So that needs to be brought to the forefront of the conversation. Mm. Then we can move on to childlessness. And like I say, it's steps and it's stages.
0: Mm. Yeah, And weeks like yours, from an awareness point of view, are so powerful, but also it's not an issue that is just for a week. It's an issue that is... Is a lifetime, and that's why we were really keen to talk with you for the for the end of this series with the Fertility Podcast because we've talked with a number of people that I know were part of your week, um, the likes of Jody Day, uh, Yvonne John, Leslie Pine, Kelly De Silver, Kate Kaufman, all people that I know were involved in webinars, all authors. I don't know if Kelly's written a book yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if she's got one <laughs> coming. Um, and I know you talked as well about the power of words. Um, have you have you got a book coming, Steph?
2: I've got about five, I think, in my head, but none of them actually
0: progressed to anything. Else. Oh, one idea. day, one day. But <laughs> writing, I'm sure, and all that you're doing with with the with the blogs and everything, it's still a good release, and we know how cathartic it can be. Um, and I just wanted to touch on when we talk about it being a life a lifetime of of different outlooks, different. I mean, I know with Jody in the Gateway, they talk about Plan B, and. Um but I, I also know that that plan B doesn't always sit well with people when they they might feel the pressure. And I just wanted to ask you a bit about the um aging without children, the AWOC um kind of and the idea of of leaving a legacy. And like I, I found it fascinating looking at what some of um the the content people were sharing. But I also wonder whether that added more pressure in in some people's eyes, if they are just coming to terms with what this childless life looks like. And like you say, there's been people that have said they haven't got a plan B or there's people that have said they don't want to put their name on blog posts. And and then there's a narrative around a legacy, which is amazing, of course. And and it's almost like trying to encourage encourage you. And, and the legacy doesn't necessarily have to mean such a grand thing, does it, that people might associate it with. But I'm just keen to understand a bit more about that and some of the conversations that you've had around it.
2: For me personally, I've looked at it in different angles. Um, In the survey, I've not shared all the information yet. But I said to people, how many generations of family do you actually remember? Because most of us might know our grandparents and our great grandparents, but we don't usually know the ones after that. Do we know their occupations? Do we know what they did? How much of an impact have they made on us being here? So therefore, in a couple of generations, why are we so scared of being forgotten? when we've already figured on the ones who came before us is one aspect. But I also think legacy can be the really small, simple things. I'm quite open, probably surprising people. I'll be going through a shop and I'll see somebody who's stacking the shelves and I love the colour of their hair, a tattoo or the leggings. And I'll just go by and say, I love your leggings. And they'll look up and smile. You know, or you're driving to the shop and you let somebody else out from a side road in front of you. And if you just change someone's life, for a minute a second a day a week whatever you're creating a legacy by helping that person have a better day so i think it's about what we do and what we act on while we're alive it's a lot more important it doesn't have to be something that anybody remembers a name from they don't have to know you know somebody who's a cash out cashier or whatever they don't need to know who i am my name they'd have to remember my face but if i've made them smile then that's you know a bonus do you know steph that's just beautiful (laughs)
1: <laughs> <I remember laughs> that, was that was just lovely. And I think we can take that into our daily lives. All of us can take that into our daily lives, can yeah. we? It's a legacy. And like you say, she might—they might not necessarily remember your face, but they'll remember those words. And, and yeah. next time she puts those leggings on, she'll think somebody just somebody last week commented on these leggings.
2: Yeah, yeah that's so, so yeah. I love it. Because yeah, somebody else might have said, "I hate what you're wearing," but you know what I mean. You just need that emotional boost sometimes from a complete stranger. So, you know, it never hurts to be kind.
0: No. never to be. Be. Yeah. Kill them with kindness. That's one yes. of my mottos. <laughs> so what next, Steph? What are we doing for the year ahead? Are you still inviting submissions from people? And we'll put all the details of the website so people can see what's already been written. Because um, I know that it kind of all gets busier during the week, but uh, during, yeah, during Childless Week. But um, yeah. see, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing that people can write for you, <laughs> isn't it?
2: Well, yeah, because the submissions, we've always got set days because uh, this is, like you say it's a topic every day they set topics each year but the topics in the middle can move around I usually answer them about three months in advance people have got the chance to sort of think okay what interests me what can I write about and what can I join in I welcome guest blogs if somebody wants to say anything the thing I'm trying to focus on now is a lot more people like I say are changing attitudes in their workplace and to build bridges it I want to say to people if you've done something at work Let me know about it. Explain why you decided you suddenly wanted to do something, how you went about it, how they reacted, and what was the outcome. And let's give a call out and a thank you to that company and also give other people a way of seeing how you created that change to give other people the confidence to do the same. So it's building those bridges is really important, and the one thing that I've got I've mentioned since day one, and I will get ready and hopefully do this year, is to start bringing out leaflets and posters, so that when people go to somewhere, and it could be a doctor's, a clinic, or even to a library, that they can actually pick up something up and go, I don't actually want to look at that website, but they remember the name, so it becomes a network for people to find the support, to find the therapists, to find the counsellors, to find whatever it is they need or from World Childless Week across the year.
0: Amazing. It's it's making people realise that they're, first of all, not alone, and mm. that there is this amazing community, and that whilst life hasn't, at this point, turned out how you'd thought it would, that the path ahead can still be, like you say, full of joy and laughter in different ways, and, and kind moments, and things that, the unexpected, really. Yeah.
2: The one thing that actually shocked me this year and I had to think about it was that people were posting and saying, oh, happy World Childless Week. And I was like, whoa, that's a bit strange. Why are we happy? And then I thought, actually, if people are sort of seeing the positives within it and they're finding the love of the community and they're coming away thinking, yes, I've been seen, I've been validated. I thought, "Okay, yeah, I can go with that. So I want to start saying happy World Childless Week to people and use it as a positive
1: yeah that's to be celebrated isn't it
2: yeah
1: what what world childless week can give to people that are struggling is should be celebrated and if that's by saying happy world childless week then yeah i think that's amazing
0: well steph lovely as always to talk and we'll put all the details and all the content and and put some of the highlights that you've mentioned for people to to watch and just before we we let you go What would you say to somebody who, say they've listened to the podcast in its order and have gone through all the different steps where we've talked through treatment options and we've got to this point and they're listening in a sense of having failed treatment and maybe numerous cycles of failed treatment and maybe this is the first conversation that they've allowed themselves to listen to talking about a life childhood. So they're very new into this space. What would your advice be?
2: First thing is to say you're not alone because we all think we're alone because all we can see is people who are having families around us and literally reach out wherever you feel confident to do that. Have a look at bloggers. Have a look at websites. Have a look at support groups because there is one thing or ten things that you can join or follow. And out of those ten, you might find free that you want to keep following, you might connect to. And, yeah, we're not alone. And there can be happiness again. And we're not saying there's a deadline or you know, a quick fix to anything. But, you know, I can testify. I found happiness and hopefully they can too.
0: You had your hand on your heart during that chat. It was was emotional when she was being so open about the different feelings of it all because a lot of the time, there's so much that can happen from... Things that other people have said as well, can't it? And and I mean, that goes for this whole struggling to conceive. Mm. People can say things not in a malicious way, but it can have such an impact on you. And unfortunately, it does continue in all different ways when you've not got the family that you had dreamt of. And I think it's just so complicated, which is why we talk about it on this podcast and why we need to keep talking about it. But yeah, it was emotional, wasn't it? What Stephanie said. It saying? was. I,
1: I felt really emotional when she was talking. And I particularly loved, and I, it's still resonating with me now, the way she spoke about a legacy and how you know there's this kind of feeling that you have to leave this big legacy behind and your legacy is children and what if you don't have children what is your legacy but her legacy is making somebody smile making somebody's day better that to her the smallest little actions is what she's leaving and that yeah.
0: just oh and it makes me feel funny now even yeah, hearing it,
1: totally But it's
0: so true. It's such a simple thing. I always feel very good about myself if I've passed on my car park ticket, you know, things like that, if I've still got time left. Yeah, I did that (laughs) this week. Yeah, (laughs) All the little things that you can do. And I'm sure that we are all being kind. If you're in this space with this going on, I think that it changes your outlook. I think it's definitely changed my outlook. And actually, I'd mentioned the fertility show, which was the other week. And I'd been part of a panel conversation talking about kind of positive learnings through trying to conceive and certainly something that I have seen in myself is patience and tolerance and compassion things that I think I definitely had before but they've definitely you Mm. know they've grown they've grown absolutely so that is it for this series of the fertility podcast it feels a bit sad because we're going to have a little break but please please do keep following us. Um, We're not going to be away for very long. We are working on a series all about fertility matters at work. Kate's doing amazing work within the corporate space as well, helping to educate corporates about fertility issues. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be shouting a lot about it for fertility awareness week which is the first to the fifth of november so please subscribe to the podcast please follow us on our instagram accounts please get in touch if you want to share a story about fertility in the workplace the fertility matters at work instagram account is always open to taking your stories i'll put all the details in the show notes but all of us are really passionate about this piece as well. And that's why we're taking a bit of time out from the podcast to really focus on what we're doing, because we'll be announcing what we're doing in facility Awareness Week. And if especially you're in a in a corporate and you could really do with support, then what we've got planned could, could really, really help. And, you know, you know us. We're here to help you. That's what this podcast has been about. I hope that if you've just found us, you'll go back and listen. You'll um, come and join our closed Facebook group, which is the Fertility Podcast and come and join me on my Instagram at Fertility And Kate now has a new Instagram handle, which is... Your Fertility Nurse. What? First time it's been in its own right. Thank you for listening. We'd love to know your thoughts. We'd love it if you could review the podcast. If you haven't yet, please just go in to your podcast app you can do it there's a link in our insta bios we'll be sending out little links on our socials and um, in our newsletters just to remind you to review the podcast because we really want to keep the kind of momentum whilst we are on hold from publishing so if it's one thing you could do to support us that would be amazing you can also buy us a coffee there's a link in the socials for that too (laughs) it's always nice to share the love Thank you so much for sharing your ears with us during this series. Kate, any final words? No, just
1: now? reiterate as well. Thank you. I've had some amazing comments about this series and how the people have loved the journey that we've taken wages on and men on from the very beginning to now, I guess, the end. And, yeah, thank you for your comments. Keep them coming. We love to get feedback. And thank you so much for listening to us. Well, putting up with us, really. <laughs>
0: And we'll be back with you very soon. So until the next time. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.